Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Brian Appleby Weinberg, and the pernicious polymath himself, Joey Tartell. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. Come on, season three of The Open Bell. Who wants some? But listen, the World Trumpet Federation is more than just the Open Bell. It's a website, a resource, a proving ground, a way of life. If you are not thinking WTF every time you pick up your horn or hear our voices, you're doing it wrong. We're here to make your trumpeting life better by providing you with a valuable pedagogical resource and the truth about trumpet. So head on over to www.worldtrumpetfederation.com today and get back on the WTF wagon for another season of Trumpet Excellence. And by the National Trumpet Competition. Since 1992, the National Trumpet Competition has been providing an inclusive, student-focused experience for the advancement of artistry, education, and professional growth. NTC has become the largest competition of its kind and each year creates space for trumpet players from middle school through graduate school to compete for cash prizes and the chance to say that they are a National Trumpet Competition winner. And NTC has just launched a new website where you can find all the rules and details for NTC 2023 in Boulder, Colorado. Go to www.nationaltrumpetcomp.org and see what's new with NTC. We hope to see you in Boulder next spring. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up a couple things and no offense. We use these segments to bloviate, bounce, and belittle information that we believe is best for brilliant bands of trumpet besties. Gentlemen, shall we? Each week, Warming Up is brought to you by ShopSaver. Dan is so excited about being with us for the third straight season that he has given us our very own promo code. That's right. Go to www.chopsaver.com and use the promo code BELL to get 15% off your next order. BELL. Get on yeah, it. BELL. 15%, B-E-L-L. 15% off your ChopSaver. And don't order just one. Buy it in bulk like we do. You need to buy in bulk. You got to just get it. Yeah. Share yeah, it with a friend. Place. Yeah. Anyway, chopsaver.com and the promo code BELL to get 15% off your next order. And now say hello to someone who's about 15% off most of the time. Hey, Brian. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> From downtown. Yeah. Never saw it coming. I was going to say, my mouth is open and everything. <laughs> That's brutal. Okay, so cornet players. Uh-oh. We have to play super um, fast, right? And no, You don't um, have to. You don't have to play cornet at all. To. It's required. Like you don't have to We're do that on players. trumpet ever. Yeah. No, you don't have to do that on trumpet. No. Well, Sergey does. Um, so uh, this summer, when I was up in in Halifax, another summer story. Um, Jason Solomon's across the band. I'm sitting next to Tom Hutchinson, and I had complained to Jason that Ding. Tom can Ding. play fast, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. just like hanging on by my fingernails. So Jason had an observation. He said, um, "You know how like." some athletes that are really fast are not just powerful they're just super fast and sleek tom's fingers are these sleek elegant delicate super fast fingers mine on the other hand have been through i don't know 25 years of throwing a baseball and he said, you look mm. like you just have these meat cleaver hands when you're sitting next to, <laughs> to Tom. Meat, meat cleaver hands. 
like no wonder your the fingers are so much slower. So he's designed, he came up with every conceivable valve combination. Um, so, uh, and then a little, he said, okay, just practice this little um, exercise using open first and one and two. Um, okay. And then just do four notes for one measure. And then he gives me another exercise and he just has all of these these combinations and over time you can whittle it down to what combinations are really problematic for your fingers and then you can speed those up um, it's another one of his like really super hyper focused ways of of looking at um, an aspect of brass playing so for me um, any combination that involves second going to second going to third some combination of second to third that's a that's a problem for me it may be a problem for other folks um i'd say that's a fairly common problem for trumpet players yeah so yeah. it's a, there's a pretty big gap so like some exercises i can do them at like 60 and another exercise um i can do at like 180 no problem um so it's real it's a real subtle change you know they're like the three buttons um but it's fascinating to watch and so what i do is i just do about five minutes a day just trying to increase the speed on some of the more difficult ones. But there are thousands of the combinations, obviously. So um, I'm supposed to go through them all first. This is a long-term project. Um, and then start to address the ones that are, that are really bad. But it's really fascinating. Um, so if you focus on your finger speed over time, not for hours every day, but over time, uh, you can get faster. Uh, I've noticed some of my fingerings are cleaner like when we do Clark one in the thing mm -hmm. I'm cleaner the fingerings are cleaner it's just chromatic but it's cleaner after doing a few weeks of this um, and uh, things are faster things are a lot faster on the flugelhorn for those arpeggi arpeggiations in uh, number seven Clark, Clark seven you're welcome yeah yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, so I'm anyway, just happy like to hear anything. you guys know there is a Clark seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird though, right? He goes to four and then just skips to seven. I don't yeah, understand. It's a little odd. I'm, I'm going to turn this whole right? podcast right around. <laughs> yeah. No ice cream for anybody. Well, That's it. Who? No one ever talks about Clark five. Or, sorry, Ryan. We didn't mean to derail you. I used you to here, do Clark five every yes, day. You did. No one talks My about Clark five. My original version of the thing. Well, I would use Clark 5 uh, on my lead mouthpiece because it, it, it's written the all the way up to high F, and I just would keep going all the way up to double C. Well, yeah. yeah. Clark 5. I've been playing this Clark 5 since the 80s. I think you're holding out on us with that. Love Clark 5. It's your yeah, first it's, time you've it's mentioned it. not part it. of the thing. No, I, I've we switched some stuff out. Some stuff, but it was, a, it was the original part of it. <laughs> when I first started. Yeah. yeah. I only had so three horns when I first started. Wow. I could do it in an flat. B flat C and bass trumpet. B flat C and pick. That's all I had. <laughs> my sophomore right? year of, of college. So Take Brian, you're saying, J shockingly, Jason Solomon has come up with a brilliant way to make you better at doing something. Yeah, but it, hold on. But you're really saying that it specific. also would involve time and smart practice. Yeah, I'm kind of mm -hmm. saying that too. Yeah. I know it's new for this show. Joey, <laughs> I have a follow-up question. Do you have a follow-up question? Uh, no, go ahead. Do you have it? How many days would you have to do this exercise <laughs> and for can it to we be effective? And can we hashtag it? <laughs> Let's just put an arbitrary <laughs> clock on it and say Three that, and I don't know, in, in 12 days you'll just be better. So hashtag 12 days of hashtag practice. 12 days of and, practice. And then, and then you're done practicing. It's you an even number. day 13, so. 
Right. Well, you, you wouldn't have wanna, to be if you're triskaidekaphobic, you wouldn't want to practice on day 13. So. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How long have you been waiting to use that one? <laughs> it just came to me. <laughs> Decades. <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I can't wait to talk to Jason about this one. Yeah, you get to see Jason. Don't see, don't I will see him. Yeah, he's coming here this fall. Yeah, what? Working that out. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. Coming here for a day. Oh, excellent. And then going up to the Mid-State, and we're going to do some Altoona Symphony stuff together up there. Mid-State? Well, to the Mid-State, mid part of Pennsylvania. Middle like, of the state. Like Middle the Tennessee mid -state. state? Go Blue Raiders? Like mid uh, Wow. There's no, no like there's no mid Pennsylvania like, State University. Yeah, there is. Oh, there's no there's Altoona. We're going up to the Altoona area where our good friend Josh Hillard is hosting Jason. Oh, oh yes, Josh. there you right go. Days. Josh yeah. Hillard. There All right, friend, friend of the podcast. Yeah. yeah, loyal friend of the podcast. All right, Joey, what do you have for us? Uh, I have this. Is we're still in the beginning of the school year. I I think lots of times people come back or they start school and they think, well, I don't have to get going yet. Hmm. You know, it's the first week <laughs> or it's still early. Or we're just it's not the productive settled. part of the semester yet, right? <laughs> right. There's always an excuse for why we're not working in the way that we know we should be. So I, I'd like to tell you that that time, if it has existed in your mind, it's over. It now is that time. Make a plan. Hold yourself to it. It's the beginning of the semester. Don't let yourself get off the rails this early. I see it happen so often in the first week. Well, it's just the first week. You know, we don't mm -hmm. really have. Well, I mean, you know, it's second week. We're, I mean, it's really now it's just settling in. It doesn't really matter yet. No, all of that's all of that's essentially flawed thinking. You should be sitting down right now, schedule in hand, or if you're with Bill, schedule in front of you on some gigantic piece of paper. Um, yes. And you, you should be mapping out. Map out when you're going to practice. Map out practice session one, practice session two, practice session three. They'll yes. go here. They'll go on Mondays and on Wednesdays and Fridays. If you're in college, often your Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are the same and Tuesday, Thursdays are the same. Map out this is when I can practice and on Tuesday and Thursdays. This is when. And then hold yourself accountable to it. Don't let yourself off the hook. Start strong so that when you get to fall break, when you get to Thanksgiving, when you get to the, the Christmas break, you're like, yeah. I've done some good work here, but you got to make that plan, and you got to make that plan. If you haven't done it yet, make it today. Agree. Last now you're chance. gonna I, you're, you're not gonna be shocked. I make my students sit down and do this on paper. <laughs> on we paper? draw the grid for the week on <laughs> paper. We do yep. the hours of the day. We put in all the classes. We you figure put that out like what it all looks like. Too. You have like mm -hmm. a like use a chisel and stone like the Flintstones. Charcoal. <laughs> use charcoal and tablet. <laughs> wow. And then I'm like, you could, you know, you want to put this in your your phone, Google Docs, I, you know, pages, whatever you want. Um, but wow. we <laughs> we start pages on paper. Doesn't do that. Start on paper because you want to move things around. You want to be able to like. You, you know, know, it's easier to move things around digitally, right? You want to get microscopic with it. There it is. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> Nobody uh, understands that reference. No, it's, no completely it's, inside baseball. It's, it's worth inside. it. If you want to know what that means, just ask us in person. We'll be happy to tell you. Happy to <laughs> tell you. Yeah. Glad to tell you. Anyway, a great, great advice because all these other things get scheduled, and some of them are decided for you. Like this class meets at this time, mm -hmm. right? Well, right. if they don't this have is, to practice every you know, day. <laughs> they can practice. Look, just practice on the days that you eat. Or you, yeah, days that they didn't want. That's all days you have to do. Yep. Yeah, practice, practice, practice when you get hungry. Right. That's a good one. Wow. Right, Great yeah, advice so for this time of year. Yeah. This Don't is the time put of it year. off. Get on it. Get on it today. Today's the day. Bill, what do you got for us today? Well, speaking of planning, 
Um, this year, I just want to give a shout out to the National Trumpet Competition. Lots of really great things happening, including a brand new website. New website? Oh. Um, new website? And so uh, and that's go to nationaltrumpetcomp.org. There it is. And you'll see the new website, much easier to navigate, all the information you need. And, of course, we're going to be in Boulder, uh, right, for yeah. spring Looks of 23. Nice. And so yeah. I'm just putting it out there, you know, plan. I know my studio is already planning. They're planning fundraisers to raise money to go, and we're working on all the details of that. And um, But not too soon to get out there and check it out. Hit the new website, see what you see, and uh, start to make your plans to to join NTC in uh, those in are Boulder. really terrible pictures of the beautiful buildings and the beautiful surroundings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's, it's going to be awful to spend a few days there. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, March twenty fifth through twenty seventh, twenty twenty three, mm -hmm. at UC Boulder. UC Boulder, there it is. That sounds get, pretty. Exciting. Get a good look at the flat irons and spend some time in lovely oh, Boulder, man. Colorado. Yeah. Wow, nice yep. hall. Who doesn't want to go to Boulder? Beautiful. It's exciting stuff. Good. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that was my that was my warming up just to say I'm real excited about we've got uh, an infusion of some new board members uh, with NTC and they are doing tremendous work and this website is uh, is uh, part of it. And of course, Joey, IU grad Marcus Grant. Yes. Oh yes. Right. Is that, actually that was my other thing I was going to talk about in warming up today. So I guess I do have another one. I'm if you give me the leeway are, are you, here to you, you're I got a double. I got a double. Oh my god. Uh, but Marcus Marcus helped so much. You know how good he is with the social media stuff and all that. Oh, he's great. Marcus is great. But I know the three of us just jumped on this consortium for this new trumpet sonata he's writing. Mm -hmm. Right. So yes. uh, if you're interested in that, get over to Marcus Grant Music and check that out. He's writing a piece that Jason Bergman uh, is going to premiere in November. Where's that going to happen at again? IU. That's going to happen at IU. That's right, Jason. Just who, uh, down the hall yeah. from your office. Well, he's just, he's upstairs. I'm on the first floor. He's on the third floor. Um, mm. Yeah, Jason's just joined the faculty here this fall. So moved uh, moved east from uh, Utah. Got all moved in. Uh, this was the funny part. After all of this kind of became finalized, he called me. Uh, as he has four kids, and it was you know pretty mm -hmm. late. We were in our search; we weren't able to run our search until in second semester. So by the time this mm -hmm. gets finalized, I said, uh, "I said, yeah, man, everything going okay? Yeah, you didn't tell me your public school starts August third, so we really <laughs> got to sell our house, buy a house, and get moved out there pretty fast because he wanted his kids, <laughs> and of course, be able to start school on time, Super which early, which they did. They made it here, so." Uh, Jason actually got here and threw a big uh, beginning of your picnic. He's like, can we just do like an all trumpet picnic thing? Can I do that? We're like, yeah, knock yourself out. So yeah. all got together. Great little hang. No offense to you personally, Brian. Uh, yeah, it's a terrible <laughs> idea. It's a great well. idea. It was great. It was, really, it was a lot of fun. And a lot of students cool. showed up. We did it at the end of the first week of classes. Great. Great. Yeah. So, right, come see Jason uh, do his faculty recital. Is that November 11th? I think it is November 11. That? Yeah. And that'll be the that world correctly. premiere of, uh, he, of this he's doing new the world premiere of the piece. Exactly. Of the new piece that Marcus is writing, which we are now we got in. And yeah. But you can if you want to be part of it, uh, it's not too late to do the buy in. And he's got a really great idea there for studio buy in as well. Like there are some reduced rates right. for your entire studio buying in, which was pretty mm -hmm. cool. Um, so check that out at Marcus Grant Music. And one of the cool. movements is for Cornette. Well, it's for flugel. But still, you should buy in. It's for flugel. You should still or buy in. Flugel or you don't cornet. mean it's for flugel. It's not for flugel. He I think it's for that. flugel. He's just trying to, he's just trying to be he inclusive. No, I, I think that's I, what he I means. I think it's probably flugel. No. 
All right, we'll have to have right. a we'll have to have a playoff and decide. You know. Oh, that's a good idea. Where where I like should that go. idea? Yeah. All right, boys, it's game time. Now listen. Oh no. I think it was a must to start season three with Jeopardy. I hope you agree with me, as totally. even as poorly yeah. poorly as you did. We did. A, but we were we great. We were, we killing were awesome. It. As that's usual. not the way I re- I remember it. But I'm always uh, excited to play a new game with you guys on the show. Oh no. Are you ready? <laughs> no, not no. ready. All right, we're gonna play tonight. We're gonna play the dating game. Oh my gosh! I'm not sure I'm okay with this even in now, concept. Course, like, I've heard like, nothing, and I'm not okay with this. Like most things, it's really not what it sounds like. But we're gonna play the dating game. This is uh, multiple How? choice questions about dates. Important things happened. That's all. That doesn't that doesn't sound like the dating game. Well, it's the way we do it here on the open. Bed. Bachelor number one. <laughs> Bachelor number one. Joey yeah, knows exactly if, how this game works. If you were a flower, what kind of flower would you be? <laughs> so. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. So that's not what we're doing? That's no, not this is called the doing. dating game, and these are all questions about dates, important right. dates in music history. And we get right? multiple choice. All right, so Multiple choice, because I knew stories. this was going to be really difficult. We're never going to okay. get this. Yeah. All right. On Big what date? Trouble. Oh, no. Question number one. On what date was Penny Lane released? What? What date? Yeah. Come a. on. It's a multiple No, guess. why? It's just, you're going to do well. A, January 5, 1965. B, February 13, 1967. C, March 13, 1972. Or D, September 1, 1974. Okay. Hold on a second. Um, now we can talk about this, or we're, we're supposed to? Are we competing? You can talk. No, about you it. could it's talk cool. about it. All right. So I, I think let's it, these, this is a group effort today. All right. So this is a Beatles tune, which means seventy-two and seventy-four are too late. They're already broken up. There right? you go. That's good information to have. Right, Brian? You with me on wow. this? Wow. Well, no, that's before I was paying attention. You thought he was going to know this because he's, he, they're British, like half British, <laughs> right? No, they're from Liverpool. No, he's the, they're his people. I've He's not going to know any of this. All right, so give us those two again. You said it was at 65 or 67. 65 I'm going more on the year than I'm going on, on the... On yeah, the, January 5, 1965, or February 13, 1967. I'm going 67. I, I think I, I'm going to go 67 as well. You, you guys agree, because here's the thing. 213, 67. All right, if you don't agree... Joey, <laughs> Brian, you sure you know? I, I have to play the, I have sure to play the Penny Lane your... solo on B flat trumpet. Yep, yep. Yes, <laughs> with Tom Hutchinson's cornet Tom, mouthpiece. Yes. There it is. Yes, perfect. Oh yeah, you are so correct. Think, it's February 13, nineteen sixty-seven. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, Man. and you were right yeah. about the other two dates were throwaways. Yeah, good for you. In what year did Kent Kennan write his sonata for trumpet? Oh. A, 1959, uh, B, 1956, C, 1963, or D, 1970. So, you mean originally? Yes. I knew you were going to ask this question. I was for it. There was a revision, which revisions don't count. It's like... Most people only know the revision. But we only right? know the revision. Yeah. yeah. Not too many recordings out. JD's recording is Jim Darling's recording is the original. I like the original. All right, give us those years again, please. 
I didn't write them down. A, 1959. B, 1956. You're C, not going 19... in chronological order? You go 59, no. 56? This is terrible. Yeah. Okay. C, 1963, or D, 1970. Okay. I think 70 is too late. Mm-hmm. I think it was in the 50s. I think it's either 56 or 59. But he didn't put 56 first. Why are you giving me the face? So he put 56 I, I second. No, I'm talking Brian. Late? Oh, yeah, 70s I'm way too late. Face. 70s way too late, huh? Oh, yeah. It's definitely written before 70. I think it was written in the 50s. A lot of great things happened in the 60s. <laughs> but I don't think this piece is one of them. Was I think it's... I think it's 56, and I think otherwise he would have put 56 first, 56. and that's why he put it second. I'm going 56. I, used, I going should 60. know this. People I'm at doctorate should, should know this. We should all know this, yeah. This uh-huh. is 63. I'm going 63. Yeah, I'm 63 was a... I was made in 63. 56 <laughs> is the right answer. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. There it is. 56. Joey it nailed seem it. that old. I even yeah. gave you the hint, and he was on it. I put it second. Yeah. yeah. And it was letter B. a trick. Always answer letter B. Always answer letter B on the Open Bell podcast. <laughs> Number three, in what year did Haydn write his concerto for Clarino and E-flat? Oh, God. A, 1791. B, Wait. 1796. C, 1799. Or D, 1801. Okay. Brian, you should know this, right? Don't you, you know this? You did 1791, 1796, you said? Yeah. Yep. 1799 or 1801. Written, but written in written. in ninety six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Seventeen ninety nine was Hummel. Eighteen oh one, I think, is Neruda. Oh, didn't wow. Mozart Look die in? Didn't Mozart die in ninety one? I don't know. Yeah. I think that might be right. But yeah, don't listen to right. us if you're studying for music history. Okay, yeah. number four. For sure. We're just guessing because we know how to take tests. We're completely guessing. On what date was Glenn Miller's "In the Mood" premiered? Oh wait, I know when that was recorded. <laughs> it um, is multiple choice. Okay, go ahead. Hit us with them. July 4, 1930. August 1, 1933. September 15, 1939. Or December 25th, 1942. Uh, okay. It's definitely not 30 or 33. That's just too early. Um,. Now you said when did it take? Give us the date in thirty nine again. Uh, September fifteen. Or and what's the date in forty two? December twenty five, Christmas Eve. December twenty five is Christmas what's Day. Just, not Christmas, Christmas, Eve. Christmas Day. Sorry, Christmas. Okay, Day. here's the thing. I I think <laughs> he doesn't miss a trick. No, no, um, it's Christmas one, Day. Not one of up at Birch Day. Creek. The drummer I play with up at Birch Creek is a guy named Bob Kamel, and Bob, in addition to have uh, played in the Glenn, Glenn Miller band uh, before I did. Uh, is like a leading Glenn Miller aficionado. Like he knows all mm. of the dates. He's got radio broadcasts. He's got stuff. And if I wow. remember this correctly, it was recorded on August 31st of 39, 
because that's the same day as his birthday. Like In oh. the Mood was recorded on his birthday. So I think it was on September of 39. I think that's when it was released. I have Brian. the other three crossed out on my paper, and I have th- 1939 circled. Yeah, that's the date. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That is it? C yeah. is the answer in this particular case. C, 1939. That, thanks, September Mom, 15, wow. 1939. Yeah. There it you go. It was recorded just two weeks earlier. Well, look at that. Yeah. All right, one more question. This will round out the dating game. <laughs> On what date was Vincent Bach born? Oh, no. Hey. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. No. This, this is not okay. So embarrassing. <laughs> why? Oh. He's a very oh, holy, very religious man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, I'm getting this one. I'm getting this. Hold on. Right, Go ahead. A, I'm writing down what you write here. A, March 24th, 1890. Okay. B, March 24th, 1895. Oh, see, now you're just being mean. <laughs> C, March 24th, 1900. Or D, March 24th, 1909. All right, so it's definitely March 24th. <laughs> I'm giving you that much. <laughs> okay, so 1909, 1900. Uh, let's see, 6 times 7. Um, it got moved from Mount Vernon in 60, right? Is it 60? I thought it was later than that. 1960 to 65? No, 65. Um, <sighs> Man, that's a mess. All right. We haven't had one on A yet. I think it's 1890. I think it's the first one out of the shoot. Wow. He's that old? Yeah, I think he was just, he was a very religious man. He lived forever. <laughs> when did he die? In the 70s? Is that right? I'm not sure that's the next episode. He could have been, he could have been 80. Mm. Brian? 18, 1900. 1900. Yeah, I'm just guessing, right. actually. Yeah, this is the way you guys play in tune. You have the pitch surrounded. The right <laughs> so answer. It's 1895. It's 1895. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. I, which is crazy, right? I don't think so. No, that's it. Hold on, that's that's the right that's answer. Correct. Hold on. Go to the box of knowledge. Vincent Bach. Born. This is 1890. No. I'm looking I, at it. I Google this. 1895. I just Googled it. It comes up. Vincent Bach, musician, born March 24th, 1890, died January 8th, 1976. 76, yeah. Where did you get 1895? Bach Brass. Made his first mouthpiece. This is off the it's Bach website. Born Vincent Schrotenbach in Vienna in 1890. Yeah. On the Bach yeah. website. No, you know what it is? I got it. I highlighted the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> Joey gets double points for that. Joey's double points. Vincent wow. Schrotenbach. There it is. Boy, That's I'm glad amazing. he cut that name how down. Did you, a bit. How did you figure that out that it was 1890? Other maybe before just, you Googled it. I, I actually guessed because it was the first one. You haven't done a first one yet. I mean, that's literally what I was doing. I just guessed. Wow. But uh, imagine that we were, uh, pe- all the people no, I, that would be playing Schrotenbach horns right now <laughs> if he hadn't no. shortened his name. What are you playing on? <laughs> I'm playing the Schrotenbach 37. <laughs> he talked to a, like a traveling salesman. Was like, "Look, I think these horns are great, but let me give you a little advice." Yeah, <laughs> I was going to go with the Schrotenbach, a uh, twenty-five H pipe, two twenty-nine. Mm. <laughs> would we Get have a new Schrotenbach by now? Would we have abbreviated that by now? <laughs> what to Schrotes? 
Schrody. <laughs> I got this. I got a, it's a I New got York Schrody. I got a Longwell Schrody. <laughs> I got a Mount Vernon Schrody. Plays like a dream. <laughs> but those New York Schrodies, those this are the ones you really want. This is a window into spending time with you guys just, <laughs> just riffing. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna call him now. We need to call Andy Lott and tell him you got to make the yeah. new the Schrody version. <laughs> yes. I got my original Schrody 37 right here on the shelf behind me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. There we go. All right, boys. Time for a couple things. <laughs> We've shared a lot, uh, a lot of things about our careers. Call that a career. career. (laughs) (laughs) And our educations and all of that. But I'm not sure we've really contextualized it in quite this way. So let's talk a little bit about our paths, like, uh, you know, how we got where we are and the different paths and how that can often be nonlinear. You know, I think people sometimes assume that I'm going to do this, then do that and do this. And sometimes life happens and it turns out that it doesn't quite go the way you planned. And that's okay. I'm going to go a step further, not farther. That would be distance. Um, that would be. A metaphorical <laughs> distance. Oh, quick side trip. So I just got a a, a picture sent to me by Lonnie Spurlock, who graduated uh, last year. She was a senior here last yeah. year. And she is now was in actually, the Trumpet Group. Yeah, she was in the Trumpet Group. She's the one who put the uh, Trumpet Group together. She's actually at mm-hmm. UC Boulder doing a fellowship right. in, Germ- in Germanic studies. I think she's teaching All in right. German classes. Mm-hmm. But she, w- she found a place called Runner's World with the apostrophe in the right place. And it says, we help you run farther. And she said, I saw this grammatically correct sign and thought of you. And I texted back, <laughs> that's excellent. You're allowed to shop there. So I would actually take a step further from what you were saying and said, not only is it likely, but I think more people than not have what we would say nonlinear paths. I think the people <laughs> who are like, well, I graduated, I took an audition, I won this and I did this and did the next job. Those kinds of careers, I think, are much more rare than mm. than uh, than others. I mean, we can just we could tell stories till the end of time. Where I think we're here to talk about ourselves a little bit, you know, a little bit. But, but I think the other any other instances are good. They're helpful. Well, then then let's took let's look at uh, let's look at three of the leading orchestral trumpet players today, which are easy to talk about, right? Let's mm-hmm. take a look at uh, Chris Martin. Let's talk about Mike Sachs, and let's look at Tom Hooten, right? So these are mm-hmm. three of the guys who are on on top of the heap right now, right? Right. So yep. that would mean that as undergrads, they must have uh, been orchestral trumpet majors at prestigious institutions, right? <laughs> yeah. Where you going with this? Uh-huh. Right. And it must yes. mean that uh, that then right out of school, they just they were only focused when and while in school, only focused on orchestral trumpet playing. Because yes. this is right. what I see from a lot of young players. They think, well, that's if that's right. what I want to do, that's what I should focus on. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I think we I think most people know that uh, Mr. Sachs was not a music major as an undergrad at UCLA. So right. not only at the time, not a great trumpet school, but not even majoring in music. So this is not where you think, <laughs> well, if you want to be a great orchestral player, what you do is you go to UCLA and major in something other than music. <laughs> that is not mm-hmm. what most people do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Correct. And, right. Well, so and, and well, Chris Martin. So he's, you know, been principal trumpet of the uh, Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, currently principal of the New York Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he would not want to do anything like marching band or drum corps, <laughs> because that would obviously <laughs> ruin your chops. Absolutely. Exactly. So, except and why? For the, except for the part where he 
did that. <laughs> he and his brother, right. who is also a very successful orchestral trumpet player in Boston, you know, their their father's very well known uh, band director from the Atlanta area who uh, did a lot of drum corps stuff, and they both grew up doing that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you know already, and then we could obviously look at, at Mr. Hooten, who. Uh, if you've heard him talk about his own story, he said, yeah, I got through my undergrad and really couldn't play. I had to do a, a complete, uh, you know, embouchure adjustment, you know, new embouchure. And then, well, what are you going to do? Well, obviously, if you want a big orchestral career back now, and th this is, I guess, more true than it used to be at the time. The last thing you would ever want to do is go into a, a, a band or like a military band. <laughs> right. And so what did he do? He won a job in the Marine Band. Now, yeah. that's more common than it used to be. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. But the mm -hmm. idea that this is the route, none of these are the 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 route people think they're taking to get where the people that are in those chairs now <laughs> took. This is always the frustration, you know. When people yeah. say, "Well, I wouldn't want to," you know, "I wouldn't want to do," you know, marching band or drum corps. That's going to beat up my chops. I said, "Right, like like it did with Chris Martin." Sure, gotcha. <laughs> um, right. uh, you know, mm -hmm. or you know, I wouldn't want to be in a in a military band because you know. That's not what I want. That's not what I'm going to go do. I'm going to be in an orchestra. I said, sure, you know, like Tom Hooten. Or, you know, I have other interests. You know, I, I don't want to pursue those. All I want to do is do one thing. I said, oh, sure, you know, like like Michael Sachs. This is, right. you know, or, or you can even go back another couple of generations before that. And, you know, what did Mr. Herseth do before he was playing in the Chicago Symphony? He was in the Navy and he was playing in dance band, right? Yeah, he's a right. band player. Right. Yeah. You know, Phil Smith, Salvation Army cornet player, you know, one of Brian's people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? That's yeah. Why so so this great. idea that, well, if I want to do this, then, well, here's the straight line and the straight and narrow, I think is much more the exception than the rule, right? Is Absolutely. That right? If we're looking, you know, big picture, those are easy ones to yeah. look at. No, that's totally where we're going. And this is great because these are folks that are, you know, they're ready, like, readily accessible. I mean, you, you look at those are the names, right? Everyone knows those names. Everyone holds those people in high regard because and of the they job should. They do. Those are tremendous. Those are tremendous players, musicians that are in those chairs doing great work in them. Yeah, they should mm -hmm. be held in high regard. Some Brian might say that they are rated properly for how well <laughs> they do their jobs. <laughs> Some of us might not. Some might not, oh. but most would agree. Uh, yeah. Oh, speak, speaking of principal trumpet players, if you haven't seen this, the announcement has been made. Uh, Esteban, who's a principal in Chicago now, has joined yeah. the faculty at DePaul University. Yes, that's right. So uh, exciting for the uh, DePaul students to get access there. I've, I've not yet met uh, Mr. Petayon, but I've heard nothing but positive stuff about him as a player, him as a person, him as a teacher. Everything I've heard has been overwhelmingly positive. I, I hope to meet him looks like it's probably going to happen sometime this year, which is going to be great. I look forward to that. Cool. He but plays yes, okay, doesn't he? He seems to play okay. Yeah. I haven't heard him live yet either, but again, er everything I've heard is just, you know, we've all seen, I, well, if you haven't seen the videos, go check them out. You go check, check out the videos. Cer certainly, sounds, certainly sounds pretty good. We were but, just you know, talking even, about that in a lesson today. Yeah. yeah. But Still even, you know, even yeah. us, right? You know, uh, your friendly mm -hmm. neighborhood podcasters, you know, so, you know, I... You know, I went to, to Juilliard and Eastman, but what I one of the things I really, really wanted to do was play lead in big bands, which is not really the route there because the undergraduate major when I was at Eastman was classical only. There was no undergrad jazz major at the time. So you could right. play in jazz bands as a, an elective, but that's not your major and not what For you do. Fun. Yeah. Right. You know, that's twice the rehearsals twice mm -hmm. a week. You know, that's what they were back then. You know, my first year there, the I was playing in Ray Ricker's band, which was the third band. 
and that rehearsal but they were monday night and wednesday night from 6 30 to 8 30 and that's when jazz band met that's it yeah twice a week <laughs> yeah yeah and though so you know and then what happened i graduated and i got a job playing lead in a big band you know and joined <laughs> the army right out of there well they um you were also taking lessons with classical people right not yeah. jazz people right that's that's what you had to do yeah because so, that's what it was and, and, and you well, did that be, in your master's yes no my master's was a little bit different oh but speaking of circuitous routes right now, and we I, you know we've all kind of shared our stories here but from the right. non-linear perspective i want a job right out of school so i, I kind of thought look this is what happens i thought i was on the nice linear path so <laughs> i practiced i graduated i got a job doing what i wanted to do i'm done and mm-hmm. then i realized oh this isn't going to be the job i want to keep so after <laughs> after four years i left and and then i went back to school so i did go back as a jazz major but as the classical teaching teaching assistant so i was still studying with the with gil johnson Isn't which is pretty fun? amazing um mm-hmm. but uh so then i was back in school so i'm 25 years old and like oh well okay i'll be okay you know i thought okay i'm done being on the road now so i've done that and i'm gonna go practice and then we'll see what comes next and then of course I went right back out on the road. <laughs> I went back on the Maynard's van right out of there. And of course, like most people, as soon as they leave the Maynard's van, what they do is they I went and taught kindergarten for a year. Yeah, so, right. You know, the very lin- linear route. <laughs> that I makes think, sense. I think, I think that's what most people do. That's uh, I think it's, in the, it's in the handbook, I think. Right. I think that's what happens. You know, you, you play lead on Maynard's band, you do that for a couple of years, get on, you know, record and tour and get, go do all that kind of stuff and then go teach kindergarten, which is exactly what I did. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Exactly. Part of the contract. Right. When you get out, that's the straight. That's the straight line, you know. It's and in then, the non-compete yeah. clause. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't. You can't go play in any other big bands. You have to teach kindergarten for a year. You have to teach kindergarten. So we're guaranteed you're locked away. Which was awesome. You know? And then you know, and then uh, and then I moved to Chicago and started freelancing and looking to teach more and more and more. But even to get yeah. to where I am here, you would. Uh, which is the job I want and wanted at the time, which is, you know, teaching it. I wanted to be at a, a big school, a good school, but not in a big city because I hate traffic, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but you would think, okay, well, then go get a doctorate and, like, have a big classical career. That's how most people end up in jobs like the one I'm in. Right. And so sure. I was freelancing in Chicago and then started teaching full-time at St. Joseph's College where I was uh, among other things, the girls' uh, basketball band director, which I did very well, uh, yeah. and I taught choral <laughs> arranging. Uh, you know, I yeah. started the jazz band there, and you know, th- after three years there, got the job here right from there. None of that, aside from winning that that first job right out of my undergrad, none of that's a straight line. And if someone had said to you, "Here's what you're going to do," and then listed all that, I would have laughed at him. It would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'd have been like, "That's crazy." That can never happen. Nobody yeah. does that. That's insane. Right. right. That's completely insane. But I actually reason, think that is more the rule than the exception. Yeah. Right. Sure. That's why I think it's it's great to shine a light on this because I think students stress about these things. Like they're thinking, well, I got to do this and I got to do that. I got to do this. And look, things happen, you know, and, and the timing, I think the timing can be and should be different for a variety of students. Like I... If I were going to separate this into two camps, I think maybe you guys agree with this. You have students who finish the undergraduate degree and you think you should go do a master's right now mm-hmm. in trumpet. Sure, sure. Or, or whatever you want. And there are others when you think, no, you should go teach. You yeah. should go do something else. Go do something. And then yeah. go do something and then maybe 
follow through with that. There's yeah. no there's no set recipe for that, and I think it does vary person to person. Yeah. But I think to take the pressure off, too, it's okay to say it's all right that that happens. I mean, look at all the other considerations that go into this. Sometimes it's money. Sure. Right? Somebody can't go right on to do the master's degree because there's no assistantship and they can't afford to take any more debt. And so they should go out and work for a while and get, get out from under that if they can. So there are a lot of factors, but none of them are deal breakers. Right. Now, you didn't, you didn't go straight through all three degrees. No. No, I got out and wanted to teach. Right. I was done with school, wanted to teach, loved it, enjoyed it, but knew I wanted to do this. And then in order to do this, I needed the other degrees. Right. And so and then when, then when I went back, I went back with a vengeance and knocked them both down. And Brian, you're the same paid. way. You didn't go straight through everything. I didn't go straight through. I, I did college teaching after my master's. But I was going to just do high school teach just. <laughs> I don't mean to say just because I think <laughs> I have incredible respect for high school educators. They are doing the real work. Um yeah, I was going to do that right out of, of uh, my undergrad. That's what I was. That's what yeah. I wanted to do. Yeah. Yep. Um, I did the performance degree only because I thought you would get. I got more perf performing opportunities at Oberlin. Um, turned out, it, any if you could play, you played, and if you couldn't play, you didn't play. So, uh, which was right. nice. Um, so, uh, Mr. Darling was responsible for me going to CIM and and getting the master's degree, and then I was lucky enough to get a college job after that. And then to mm -hmm. get another college job, I had promised Sarah we would not spend a very long time in southern Indiana. <laughs> oh, so no offense, Joey. I'll, I'll try <laughs> yeah. not to take that personally. So no southern offense. Indiana. Wow. But you were, um, I mean, you weren't in Bloomington, or I think you, you might still be we here. We were not it's in lovely. Bloomington, yeah. yeah Bloomington's yeah, lovely. Yeah, Bloomington's a great town. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> poor Sarah, we drove into town to look for apartments, and she started crying. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, we were getting out as fast as I could, um, and uh, but she got a nursing degree there too. So it was, and we had Hannah there as well. So uh, it was a good. Wait, it was a good experience. Hannah's a Hoosier. Hannah's a Hoosier. Yeah, I don't think oh. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was. Oh, that is awesome. This yeah. is good mm -hmm. to know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah, and so so then, um, you know, it was really interesting. Um, you know, applying for jobs with a master's degree at that time was super difficult. Um, and I mean, it was easy to apply. It was hard to get a gig. Right. Um, so, uh, so then I had to, uh, I, well, I, I'm going to need to get a doctorate. And uh, a friend of mine was out here studying with, um, Steinhardt, the principal violinist of the Guarnieri Quartet was here studying at, at Rutgers, Melissa Wilworth. And she said, Hey, there's a new trumpet teacher at Rutgers. It was Peter Bond. Um, I think I heard that he's a really nice guy. You might like him. And then I, he was friends with John Schlabach, and I always had been mm -hmm. gigging with John um, in Kentucky. And he said, "Oh, Pete's a great guy. You'll get along." He said, "I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot about his teaching, but I know you get guys will get along." And I figured it was close enough to New York I could find somebody, you know, if Pete wasn't the answer um, <laughs> for me, that I could find somebody to help. Uh, help if this, the if this Pete guy I stinks, I could find somebody <laughs> good in New York. Exactly. <laughs> Does Pete know this? Yeah, um, I don't think he knows that part. Well, he was like, uh, super we're nice. going to need to tell him this part. He yeah. will now. I, I'm going to text I him. him the, I called him the night before the audition because um, he had said, you know, let me know when you're in town for the audition. And I called him the night before, and he was like, oh, that's tomorrow? I was like, yeah. He said, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> so he showed up. He showed up to the audition. <laughs> yeah. And he met me in the hallway after the audition. He goes, okay, well, I think they're going to let, let you in. I think I know what you're doing wrong, and I think I can help. <laughs> And that's so pretty like much all you need. Emotionally up and down real yeah. fast. 
yeah so it, yeah it's a very strange strange world and then before I graduated I applied for there were a ton of college jobs and I got it was crickets I spent lots of time spent applying and the year I got the job I turned down two other gigs and accepted this job oh that's funny. super I, the year I graduated super strange well, mm. that just gets to the next part, which is you just never know what, when or how it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. You know, because no. I was applying no. for jobs for years, including when this one came open, another job that is another school that uh, is not nearly as well-renowned as a music school as this, and they didn't even interview me. And I had yeah. some really good references there with all the same stuff sent to both, and IU said, yeah, you're a guy. And they said, no, no thanks. So you just never know how that's going to work. It is super yeah. strange. Yeah. yeah, you don't know how the committee's going to go. You don't know what the committee's thinking, what they need, what they're trying to avoid. Right. You know, in a teacher, yeah, it's so like I'll, a very strange. World. This is yeah. As much as you can never, never even try and second guess a, a search committee. It, there's just no good that comes from that. As frustrating as this is, even if you're unemployed, it you know if you if. If you put your stuff out there and they say they don't want your stuff, then it's not your job. Even and when it's unemployed, that's hard to to deal with, but it's true. Mm -hmm. But the other part is what you just said. There are some times where search committees can be reactive, which means the last yeah. person in that job rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and they want to make sure and not repeat those mistakes. <laughs> so they will just go, they will overcorrect. Of, okay, yeah. we'll make sure none of this, none of this, none of this, none of this. And you might get just washed away in that, and you just never know how those things work. Yep. So. It. All right, so all right, so we've all taken essentially what could be described as nonlinear in some ways. So right. what, do we, what do we tell, you know, what do we tell young people today about this? Like, what what should they do? Well, I I think it's great to have a plan, you know, and I think they're they're all going to benefit. I know my students benefit from my own experience because at at the time I was doing this, I went to school to get a degree so that I could teach, right, and mm -hmm. then started to ponder the other things after that. But I think I think student, students are so much more aware now, and part of that is because of our own experiences to say, well, you could do this, you could do that, right? But ideally, uh, I, I think what we tell them to do is to look down the road a yeah. little yes, further. Absolutely. You know, start yeah, to think about those you. options now. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, have, yeah um, make a plan, but make a long-term plan. Where do you want to end up? Where do you want to end up? And here's the good part about this. If along the road you change, that's fine. It is. You know, the idea yeah. that there, I, I think that I, I just had, uh, we were playing games with a couple of friends last night. And, you know, our, you know, our youngest daughters are all in the room, are all seniors in high school. Well, what do they want to do? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. And, and one of the women over last night said, yeah, but who knows what they want to do at 17? I'm like, well, I mean. Yeah. I knew I, what I wanted to do, and 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 I kind of went and did that in large part. You know, I, I wanted to major in music. I wanted to go play trumpet. And I got to do those things. But if you don't, that's also fine. Totally you know, like okay. You, and like yeah. you come in here as an undergrad knowing I want to be in music somehow. Great. Okay, let's get going. But then think uh, you should be fine-tuning, aiming somewhere out, out, way out in the future. And then along the route, you may run up against other things going, oh, wait a minute. I didn't even know that was a thing. I want to go do that. So make a plan and be flexible. You got to do both yeah. of those things. Do you ask yep. your students to imagine what their daily life is going to be like at that point, like how they're going to spend their time, who they're going to be with, what their house is going to be like? Do yeah. they have a car? Do they have two cars? Are they fancy? Are they not? Fa do you ask, ask them to imagine those things? 
I've I've done this very thing sometimes with prospective students who are trying to decide what kind of degree they want to do. Mm-hmm. Where are you 15 years from now? What car do you do you get up in the morning to go to work or is it at night? What kind of car do you have? What color is it? You know, yeah, to I, try to to put a point on something. I asked this on a, in everybody's first lesson. I said, "Okay, for undergrads, okay, 4 years from now you're going to graduate. You get to pick whatever you're going to do then." Right now, what would you say that's going to be? So four years from now, you're going to walk out with your degree. You could, and you could either displace somebody in a job that already exists that you want, or you make up a new job of whatever you think it's going to be. What do you want to be doing? That's what I do. And like first lessons to get an idea of what what are these students thinking about, so I kind of help right. point them in the right directions. Yeah, yeah crystallize their all of effort. It. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, then I think to have these, you know. We've talked about this before in terms of the my the thing I brought up about confluence. You know, you look back at the people who have, you know, fed into you and given you information and all that, and don't be afraid to turn to any of them. When I was when I knew I wanted to go back to grad school and call my teacher, who had by that time had retired, you know, and then put me in touch with Kevin Eisensmith, who ended up being my teacher. But Kevin listed all these places I could go. Yeah. You know, and then at the very end, said, "Well, I have an assistantship. You could come here." And those personal connections made all those things fall into place. You know, and this is, I mean, maybe not the fairest. No, it's definitely not the fairest thing. Every business at some level is a who you know business. So the more people you know, the better. So yeah, these kind of personal connections about where you want to go and what you want to do next. Yeah, start with the circle you have now, and then just right. keep expanding. You know, yeah. and it's amazing how you keep running into the same people over and over and over right. again. You know, it's um, uh, just this week, uh, a friend, I think I, I've talked about, we've all talked about Vince DiMartino an awful lot. You know, I met him at a summer camp that I did. Uh, one of the other guys at that summer camp just was going through pictures this week and said, hey, he sent this to me over Facebook. Hey, Joe, I just saw this. I figured you'd like it. And it's a picture from that summer of us just sitting there in front of the Eastman dorms. I'm like, holy crap, that was 40 <laughs> years ago. That was, the wow. summer of, that was the summer of 1982. We're in high school, you know. And I'm like, yeah, there's 15-year-old me. I showed the picture to, to my wife. I was like, oh, look at that hair. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, <laughs> Well, yeah. we have the advantage of looking back, right, and knowing what we did, like sure. you know, we we've talked a little bit about golf. Uh, obviously, Joey, you and Gil talked about golf a lot more than obviously than with than my we vast did. knowledge. The great story, <laughs> yeah, that's still one of my favorites. It's golf. Brian and I were just talking about this on the bikes we just, like a couple we were weeks talking ago. About on the bikes, you know, you play golf. No, well, it's just like that. It's just like <laughs> golf. <laughs> but I will say this: that um, one thing, I'm a terrible golfer, but there is this moment I do love when I finally get to the green. And I see a lot of the course. You know what I mean? I get my money's worth. But I get to the green and I look <laughs> I look back at, at, at the tee box and go, oh, <laughs> it would have been a lot easier just to go right here. You know, I could see it from here. But when you're standing back there, it's pretty crazy. But the idea is that you look back over all of it. You know, we have the advantage of doing that. We can look back and go, yeah, I, I turned left when I could have turned right or I, I went this way. But ultimately, I landed here. Let me make it easier for you. You know, right. let me at least explain this to you that this is how it goes. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, the people uh, the people in your life, you know, you have, you have to make those good contacts. You have to have good teachers because it makes things so much easier. Without that, the path is just harder because you're out yeah, there just flailing in the wind, stuff. hoping, kind of hoping for the best where you can get some good direction from people who've already been down yeah. a path. So do you, was this term, is this term still used, especially Joey, I guess I'm curious from you in the bigger graduate schools, uh, non-traditional student? 
because I was labeled that from the time I started the master's degree because I was older. I taught high school for five years and then went back. Right. I, I think, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I was out for four years before I came back from my master's. Um, we don't use it as for graduate students because a lot of our graduate population, not just in the music school, but across the whole university, right. is older. These are people who've yeah. been out and, and are already in their careers that are looking for this as part of what they're doing next. Right. I, I oh, think it right. is still used for undergraduate students. Like if for whatever reason you've either oh, taken some sure. time off or you've uh, you started a degree somewhere else and took some time and, and you've come back and you might be in your mid-20s or in your 30s and are pursuing an undergraduate degree, then that term might still apply because still a a huge majority of our undergraduate students are still in that, you know, 18 to to 24-year-old population. Um, So it it gets older than that. I've heard that term there. And we are seeing Mm -hmm. more of those people. You know, uh, when when we were growing up, and even when Bill was growing up, the idea of a gap year (laughs) was not really... A thing. No. <laughs> there were people no. that didn't go straight on to college, and there are people that don't go to college. All of that is perfectly fine. But the idea of, well, I'm going to go to college, we're going to take a year first, that has become much more common a thing in the past 10 years. Sure. Sure. If that's what's right for you, do that. This is something I say all of the time. I say this dozens of times every year. School is not going anywhere. When you want to go to school and when you're ready, there will be schools available. Yeah. And if that time right. is not right when you graduate high school or it's not grad school right when you finish your undergrad, hey, take your time. You know, right. and, and when you're ready, schools will be there. So the idea of, well, I have to, or I have to, or I have to. If there's anything you can take away from today is there is no you have to. Because when you look yeah. at people who are likely doing things that you would want to do, it, more, more the rule than the exception is they didn't get there by just walking you know, straight down the line. Yeah. No, it's uh it's not going to be the same for everyone. I I remember when I first started here, I won't I won't throw anybody under the bus, any particular colleague, but I had a, a older colleague who had been here a long time and we were lamenting the fact that the student dropped out. You know, tried it, was here for part of a semester, actually two couple semesters and then and then left and somebody reported this at a faculty meeting and this this older gentleman said, "Well, that's a relief. His parents are just throwing money down a rat hole." <laughs> oh my gosh like, this guy never said boo about anything and i was like well that was pretty strong you know <laughs> but ultimately he was right you know and it just wasn't it wasn't right for the kid it just it wasn't a great fit and he needed to go do something else and right and i know today we're talking about this in more positive terms but all that to say i don't know where his path led but you know hopefully it led to some success in something and then he landed where he was supposed to land and sometimes for us, there's this expectation, you know, these, my students now like, well, yeah, I'm going to go get the master's and I'm going to do this. and I'm going to do this. And I think it's worth us talking about breaking into this today to say, maybe not. Maybe right. it's going to look different to you. And it's likely going to be different than you think. Uh, it's very rarely as straightforward and rarely as simple, you know, because mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying, real life comes into there. There might be other people involved. Sometimes you might be attached. Uh, one of my students who graduated last year just popped in yesterday. I was in here practicing. And uh, I asked her, so, you know, even now, what are you doing? I'm doing this and this is, things seem to be going very well. I, you know, so personally seeing anybody, oh, no, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And said something like, well, then you have to spend time with them. I'm like, well, if you like them, that's usually part of the good part. She goes, yeah, part sure. Of the but, process. you know, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. Which is perfectly that's fine great. if that's the way it's going to yeah. go. But then, you know, 
that's one of the reasons I ended up teaching kindergarten for a year is that uh, the woman I was dating at the time was finishing off her master's and we were going to be in that place and there was an opportunity there and I'm like, that sounds cool. So let's go right. do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the first, uh, it got to North Texas and they put all the all of us grad students in this auditorium, in this recital hall, right? All the new grad students, teaching fellows, whatever. And we're all there and, and uh, the guy says, professor says, all right, well, here's this and this and this. And by the way, you have 10 years to finish this degree. And everyone started laughing, right? Because we had just, there was like, class was on Monday. We started, right? And he goes, do you have 10 years to finish the degree? And we, we just, you know, lost it. And he stopped in his tracks and he looked and he goes, oh, you find that humorous? That's interesting. And man, it got really dark really fast. But he goes, you know, things happen in life, like, you know, relationships and children and, you know, jobs. Some of you aren't going to finish at all. And some of you are going to be hard pressed to get in under the wire. Right. <laughs> you know, because yeah. Statist- yeah, statistically, looking around this room, this number of you people are not going to make it in 10 years. <laughs> no, right. You're not going to make it. Sure. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah so we, it was always a goal. Yeah. I just had that discussion recently when they said, one of my undergrads said, so they have like a, a timeline. I said, yeah, it's, you know, so many years and then past coursework. And then if not, you have to revalidate all of your coursework, meaning basically you kind of start over. Yeah. But I mean, what, what's the deal? Cause as an undergrad, you know, that could be all you're focused on. And it's much more, you go to class, you go to class for four years, you knock all your stuff out. I'm like, yeah, it's not quite that simple at the other end. <laughs> you, know, well, you know, you get a job. One of my, one of my very first doctoral students got a job right near the end of his coursework still out a recital uh, and his paper, you know. So he gets down there, starts teaching, and guess what? It's busy. So I saw him <laughs> mm-hmm. the next year at, like, the Trumpet Guild convention. He walks up and he's like, hey, man, I want to talk to you about my year. And I looked him dead in the eye and said, finish your degree. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. And he was <laughs> right to the timeline. You know, it's like, we've got to yeah, get yeah. this done, you know, because yeah. there's just so much else, you know, real life can come and pretty much kick you in the teeth, and it makes it much more yeah. difficult. When uh, when we lived in Texas, uh, I had my I had gotten the Mac LC two computer. Do you remember this one? Man, the pizza you're box. Just, you're just yeah. bragging now. So. I'm saying it was a big deal. Like I don't think we ate that like for a month. Anyway, got the Mac LC two with a big monitor, and the first thing I did was put a sc- scrolling screensaver on it, and it said, "Finish your degree and get a job." <laughs> and it was on there like every day. I would read it read it going by um and hopefully a takeaway too for because i we know we have some trumpet teachers and professors that drop in on us and share your story with your students like it's okay to like let them know so that it you know it lets them know it's a very personal thing and it definitely will be it's a good chance it's going to be non-linear yeah tell them the stuff you did that's not music making yeah tell them that stuff whatever that stuff may be if that's in there there's a whole world out there share there is that (laughs) yeah I know a lot of musicians think, well, I have to be working in music to be able to be successful in music. And you don't. I mean, there's lots of ways around there. And and lots and lots of people have done lots of other things. So ask ask your teachers, so have you had any jobs outside of music? You're going to love the responses you get. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Music degrees train you to do a lot of different things. Totally. Be successful at a lot of different things. Number one degree accepted into med school. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, the universal donor. Apply. Ooh, yeah, yeah but ooh, med school. There's one. There I was like a path it. that I don't think was available to me. <laughs> Not to <laughs> like you. Like when they when they told no. us in high school, you can be anything you want. I thought, nope, 
No, can't do that. <laughs> I've so. met a lot of squeamish people in my life. You are it. You yeah, win. Yeah. It's not okay. Uh, a quick, <laughs> a quick aside. Um, my mother had knee replacement surgery a couple of weeks ago, and she and she's doing well. However, she did send to the whole family a picture. <laughs> Oh, and, yes. and wrote in there. No. I figured I'd send an email to the whole family. Let me know what's going on. I'm doing this, and everything's going well. Everything's going all right. And I figured the picture would gross Joey out. And after I regained consciousness, I did write <laughs> her back that I thought that was mean, uh, not okay. So yeah, it's yeah. not. That's not okay. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Super queasy, yeah. very I was easily. Say, and you passed out when you got the text. Yeah, it was not right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, boys. Time for no offense. Conforming to a perceived norm is just bringing you lots of undue stress. Look, if you're hung up on your path not being similar to someone else's, you're doing it wrong. It's okay for you to take a different path and still meet your life goals and find happiness. Not only okay, that's the way to do it. If you're trying to follow somebody else's, then you're just trying to be somebody else, and that's not going to work either. Right? Yeah. you you got to find, yeah. you, find your route and take it. If you're trying yeah, to follow somebody else's, somebody else's path, it's no good. Yeah, that's not going to fit on you. It's you got to find your path. Yeah, doing it yeah. wrong. And if you get out with all three degrees in pocket and no experience, then where are you? You're what we call a baby doctor. <laughs> <laughs> there is yeah, that. It's part. a thing. It's yeah. a thing. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, we didn't talk an awful lot about that, but boy, I do encourage everybody looking at doctoral school. What have you done so far? Go do some stuff. We'll be here. Do some stuff. Go do yeah. something else. Yeah, yeah. go we'll, do something we'll and we'll come check in. We'll be here. It's yeah. the best advice because, you know, looking at it from an administrative point of view, that, that resume comes across your desk or your computer and you're like, oh, well, that's nice. It's a lot of school. <laughs> it's a lot of school. <laughs> a lot of school. Yeah. But a lot of experience is helpful too. Yeah, so. get out there. Do some stuff. Even outside yeah. of music. Go do it. For sure. Yeah. Well, boys, that should about do it for today. Stay tuned, tell your friends and neighbors, and walk your own path. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell. Special thanks to our amazing staff, Dr. Appleby Weinberg's assistant, Colin Tired. Chief Writer, Andy Adeno. Meeting Scheduler. Mike Allender, Instrument Acquisitions, Chuck Maflugel, Mouthpiece Tester, Chip Alday, Jazz Trumpet Interim, Just Fakin', and Mr. Tartell's Management, Betty Needs Some Cash. <laughs>